Would you listen for this testimony to the resurrection from the book of Acts? Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Are you a witness? Peter says that he and the first disciples are witnesses. You heard it perhaps there in verse 39. He's preaching to these Gentiles and says we are witnesses to all that Jesus did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. He is saying he has a first-hand account, and he wants to tell these people who are listening all about what he experienced with Jesus. He makes three main points just in the three verses before this. It's really a robust description of what God has done in Christ. I want to read it to you again, beginning in verse 36. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter is preaching to this gathered group of Gentiles, and he not only wants to tell them about Jesus, he wants to make sure they understand what this means to him, what he has come to understand God is trying to reveal to the human community through Jesus of Nazareth. Peter is looking back to summarize all that has happened, all that he's experienced as a follower of Jesus, and he's going to tell these Gentiles not only what happened, but what meaning these events have for those who are listening. So you may be listening and feel like, oh, I'm a witness to that. I know all about that. Well, you may be sitting here today really as a listener, hearing it in a way for the first time or in a fresh way or maybe in reality for the very first time ever. This book of Acts, a book out of the Bible that we read from this morning, sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles, says that God is working in all people who are looking for meaning through their relationship with Christ, whether they are a witness and living the life or hearing for the first time or hearing it in a fresh way. This book says that God is at work in your life, trying to transform you ever more into what you can be, all that you can be, what God intends for you to be, even as God was at work in Christ. 
Peter uses three key words here that I want us to look at so that we might understand the impact and the meaning of what he's saying in this text today. He starts with Jesus brings peace. In Greek, the word is erene, erene. In Hebrew, it's shalom. But in both cases, it means more than just quietness or solace or serenity. Biblically, whenever the word peace is used, it means wholeness and harmony in all facets of life. It hints at this idea that peace brings us fullness of life when we know the peace of Christ. It also always has the undertone or the theme of that this peace that God brings to us or offers us through Christ brings us reconciliation with God and with others. In verse 36, Peter goes on. Once he said peace, Jesus brings peace, he wants to proclaim something else. Listen there. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Peter is saying in the person of Jesus we find peace with God and one another. And what he means by this, particularly in this context, is there he stands as a person of Jewish ethnicity and faith speaking to Gentiles, a group he should not even be meeting with according to Jewish law. It would make him unclean and push him outside of the community. But he's saying God has done a new thing in Christ to bring peace. And in this case, he means this reconciliation with others across barriers of ethnicity or race or religion that God in Christ unites the human family. But Peter doesn't stop there either. In the second part of that verse 36, right after he talks about bringing peace by Jesus Christ, he goes on to say, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. It's one of the earliest affirmations across the Jesus movement in the first century. Again, remembering the context here is really important. The person whose home Peter is standing to proclaim this is a centurion. His name's Cornelius. He's a commander in the Roman army. That is, he is beholden to the Roman emperor. And sometimes the Roman emperor referred to as Lord. Maybe you know also sometimes the emperor was referred to as Son of God or Savior or the one who brings peace to the world, the Pax Romana. But that was a peace by military and political oppression. This peace that Peter speaks of, and this declaration that Jesus is Lord means that the Caesar is not Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord, but not only Lord of the empire, Lord of heaven and earth. One other thing here. Jesus is the one anointed by God. Anointed by God. That is specially set apart. You hear it in verse 38. Peter is preaching and says, all this began in Galilee, and then after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Peter wants these Gentiles to understand that through Jesus, it has been revealed that the God of creation is present to you through the power of the Holy Spirit and has the power from God to bring you this peace of which he speaks. 
And it's a peace that transcends other limits. So even if you're living in an empire ruled by a foreign oppressor, you can experience this peace. Or even if you're living in a time when our lives seem to be ruled by this raging virus bringing death, that we can still know the peace of Christ in our own lives. This story proclaims that the peace this Lord brings transcends all other limits. In our United Methodist hymnal, one of the great hymns for Easter is all hail the power of Jesus' name. And in the chorus at the end, it says we can join the everlasting song and crown him, crown him, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. And I think the repetition here is helpful for us as we live in these days where any hour can bring the report of more cases spread or somebody else has died because of this dreaded virus. That as Christians, we can still know who the Lord of life is. We can still crown him Lord of all. So even when we hear the bad news, or especially when we hear the bad news, this repetition that we can crown him, crown him. We can choose daily to crown him Lord of our lives. It's a way for us to claim our faith even in the midst of these days where we're separated and dispersed across the city and state and we don't get to gather together. We can all proclaim together that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can still choose to live in the realm of God and open our hearts and minds to the peace of Christ descending upon us, despite whatever external circumstances we may be living in. I've heard from so many of you that on any given day you can feel overwhelmed and discouraged with the virus and the reports of it growing or even the abnormal routine of having to stay home all day and night and try to navigate new schedules and extended family members being separated at other places or children being at home and everyone being in a small space so many ways that we can be discouraged in these days there's a story that comes from the early church fathers of a man who was discouraged he went to his priest to confess that he was so discouraged that he had even given up the daily ritual of prayer. So his confessor told him this story about a man who had a plot of land. It was overgrown. It had not been tended to. And so it was full of weeds and bushes and thorns and thistles. And one day the man says to his son, we need you to go clear that plot of land, pull up all the weeds to get it ready for cultivation. The son eagerly says, sure, and he begins to hike down to the field. But when he gets there, he realizes how much growth has happened, and he's overwhelmed when he sees how large the bushes and the plants and the weeds have gotten. He decides he'll lie down and take a nap. He has a good long rest, and when he wakes up, it's almost dusk, and he thinks, I'll get a fresh start tomorrow, and he goes home without doing a thing. That happens day after day after day. Finally, his father has time on one day, one day to go down and see how the clearing is coming. 
he gets there. He finds his son asleep on the ground next to the thicket. He exclaims, what is this? And as the son wakes, he says, oh, dad, I was discouraged early on. The father says, oh, my son, if you would have only cleared a piece of this plot, the size of which you were laying on every day within just a few days you would have had it completely cleared the whole task would have been accomplished then the confessor looks at the discouraged man thinking he will be buoyed but the man still seems discouraged and looks overwhelmed so the priest says oh my son start small take little steps say just a word of prayer a day, and God will grant you grace and peace. Sometimes we are overwhelmed. It seems like too much is happening, and we don't know how to cope. But this story from the early church can remind us it's just a day at a time, just a step at a time, and God will meet us there. Allow the power that raised Christ from the dead to raise you up every day. God will meet you there in your time of prayer. Dr. Cynthia Rigby, in the book I've been telling you about all these last several weeks called Holding Faith, talks about how God meets us and how God loves us and what that means in terms of the power of the resurrection. I want to read you just a few of the sentences she writes in the book. As she's talking about God's love for us, she says... If it really is the case that God became flesh because God so loved the world, this means that we matter to God. We are loved by God. We are precious in God's sight. God believes we have something essential to offer to the work of salvation. Even more significantly, God desires that we participate in the divine life and work in the world. God wants to be actively with us and wants us to be actively with God. Then when she's discussing the bodily resurrection, she says, no matter how you have thought about it, she says this, to say that Jesus rose bodily from the dead is to insist that the incarnation is not a 33-year experiment. Whatever it means to say that Jesus Christ is God with us in the flesh, it does not end on Easter morning she is reminding us of these ever so important Christian beliefs starting with we are loved by God we are empowered by God and God is with us even in the face of illness and death and in fact nothing can cancel God's love for us this is how Peter put it in this proclamation we read today he says we are witnesses that all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Peter wants us to believe that God was at work in Christ, and not only during his life, even though he says he witnessed all the good things Jesus did, but even through his death, even unto resurrection, that God is at work with love and at work in our lives. I put it in your outline. I want you to cling to this this week. Christ is alive. 
Christ is God's offer of peace, and it is our salvation. Christ and his resurrection opened the doors wide for us to continuously experience the presence and power of God alive in our own lives. The resurrection declares that God's love created us and God's love continues to work. And even in the face of death, that death cannot constrain the love of God that has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Paul puts it so well when he's writing to the early Christians in Rome. We read a portion of this as our affirmation of faith. I want to close with it this morning. Paul puts it this way. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ, will hardship or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, or coronavirus? No, Paul says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus has risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.